0: Release the Geek, the official podcast of GeekXP. XP. Ah. Ah. Curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. Uncritical. Question me, Rose. Run for your life.
1: Stupid exactly. Fatality. I'm bad. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you happen to be. Thank you for taking time out of your day to join us for Release the Geek, the official podcast of Geek XP. In 1990, Thanos set out to acquire six soul gems in order to fulfill a very specific mission for Death herself. This quest directly shaped Marvel Comics for the next three years, and led to the current state of the worldwide box office records. Ron Mars was there for it all, with a 50-plus issue run on Silver Surfer, which formed part of many Infinity Gauntlet slash war slash crusade storylines. This panel with Ron from Icon Comics and Games Convention 2019 took a deeper look at the Mad Titan himself, his motivations, the resulting impact on the Marvel comic book universe, and how his story was interpreted differently for the big screen. While we're speaking of Ron Mars, Ominous Press, for whom Ron serves as editor-in-chief, has recently released a Dreadstar Returns Kickstarter. Comic book legend Jim Stalin returns after three decades to continue the story of Vanth Dreadstar in a brand new 100-page original graphic novel. If you're wary of joining in on a Kickstarter venture in case they don't meet their funding target, then have no fear. Dreadstar Returns blitzed its first funding target within 14 hours of going live on April 14 and has annihilated all currently listed stretch goals, so you have full visibility on what's available. Check out the Dreadstar Returns initiative on Kickstarter and we'll have a direct link in our show notes. We pass this episode over to the Diva for her rating. Franku, what did the Diva have to say? <laughs> The Diva has enjoyed this podcast and rates it. Completely salt free. A completely salt-free rating means this content is suitable for all ages. Thank you kindly to both Franku and the Diva for the rating. And finally, before we get fully underway, a reminder of the Fueled by Death cast produced by the team at Death Wish Coffee, the world's strongest coffee. Fueled by Death is a show that asks the question, what fuels you? Very similar in sentiment to how we do things here at Release the Geek. They have a bunch of great content, having conversations with astronauts, rock stars, authors, athletes, and more. Check it out at Death TwishCoffee.com, Apple Podcasts, or on Spotify, and be sure to tell them Release the Geek sent you. And now, without any further ado, please join me, Les Allen, as we release The Geek with Ron Mars. And now,
0: we're releasing The Geek. (laughs) What
1: is your confession? This is special, because I remember reading... These particular comics, I remember going into the comic store and buying this. Like it was a, it wasn't, a, wasn't a trade. It was a, uh, is it prestige format?
0: Prestige format. It
1: was prestige format. And looked at this thing and went, what, what the hell's going on here with this Thanos guy? Uh, this particular panel, we are joined by Ron Mars, and we're going to be talking from Infinity Gauntlet all the way through to Endgame, and have a discussion about the Thanos character, the changes that the MCU obviously had to make. Uh, When I say obvious, they didn't have to, I guess, but it would have been a harder sell to go the whole I love death thing.
0: Well, there's there's some baggage to that that sort (laughs) of has to be explained. This is a little sleeker, and I think he's a little less you know, in some well, in some ways, you want your villains to be, at least in their minds, uh-huh. the heroes of their own stories. They're more compelling that way. Uh-huh. Um, that was always the difference between the uh, the Marvel villains and the DC villains. Right. Is that the Marvel villains wanted to conquer the world, Doctor Doom, mm-hmm. Magneto, and were convinced of their own righteousness. Uh-huh. And DC villains wanted to rob banks. The Rainbow Raider. Well, didn't
1: Lex? Lex had more auspicious plans than just. Yeah, but
0: a... he was—he was generally um, the, the exception to the rule. Uh, okay. Not a lot of, you know, the, the DC villains were were more uh, motivated by. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I, I'd, like a go, I'd like a gold-plated car. <laughs> um, and the Marvel villains were, you know, Magneto thinks he's—he's. He's, you know, he's the hero, he's, mm. he's right for what he wants. And in some ways you can look at it and go, well, you know, not completely he, out of the yeah, question. Does,
1: you, can, you can understand his logic.
0: Yeah, yeah so, so, you know, Thanos to, to great extent is cut from that same cloth mm. of he's, you know, he, he thinks he's right. Uh, and particularly in the MCU version, mm. um, there's some wisdom to what he is trying to accomplish. It's, it's, it's cutthroat, but yeah. there's wisdom to it.
1: We will get to that. Let's do a quick uh, retrospective of Thanos and where he came from. The ridiculous version of Thanos in uh, Invincible Iron Man number 55. So first appearance, 1973. And there's the, uh, the Thanos copter, the helicopter, I believe.
0: Absolutely. Was,
1: was in that issue. Um, Thanos, uh, his origin story of being an Eternal uh, isn't really referenced so much anymore, uh, but that was that was his origin story. He was one of the Eternals from, uh, was it Saturn or Jupiter? Where do they come from? Um, Titan,
0: the moon. Titan, that was the moon the Titan.
1: The moon Titan. Titan. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's, this is nowhere near the character that he was going to become. All right. So he would show up every now and again, but it all started September, October in 1990 with this two-parter. The Soul Gems had been floating around uh, the comic universe for a while. Adam Warlock ran around with Soul Gem, but by this time, all of the Soul Gems were in the possession of the elders of the universe, the guys who were the first, uh, the last of their race, of the first races that were were born in this universe. And And,
0: and I should add that the thanos exact actually existed before his marvel incarnation hmm. jim starlin created him prior to going to marvel oh, right. so there's a uh at ominous press we published uh, a new art book of jim's stuff um called the art of jim starlin strangely enough that, uh, wow. <laughs> and um jim uh one of the pieces that we got from jim to put in the book and jim mm-hmm. you know helped us design the book and mm-hmm. Uh, was the first illustration of Thanos, uh-huh. uh, his black and white piece, and he looks, f- f- to a great extent, like he does in the, uh, in in that you know Invincible Iron Man uh, illustration, but um, not quite as you know maybe even a little little thinner than that wasn't didn't have quite the massive physique that he does right. in his later appearances, and um, you know it was in a was in a big chair, so he was yeah. everybody looks at him and goes oh he's you know he's Dark Side. Uh. But, but really, mm-hmm. he was more Metron than Darkseid. Uh, he was a guy that rode around in a chair. Right. Um, and it, and so, so Thanos existed prior to Jim ever introducing him into the Marvel Universe. Right, I didn't know that. Um, uh, which is one of the reasons that his, um, his ownership was mm-hmm. somewhat in question, because I, I think the, that Thanos illustration actually appeared somewhere right. before this Iron Man appearance um so and which has all since been resolved and everybody's sure. happy um yeah i don't
1: think disney would have let that last yeah
0: year. yeah well think these things tend to get resolved disney mm-hmm. disney has lawyers uh, <laughs> and um so so and then while we were putting the book together um somebody reached out to jim and had copies of a, a few pages of story that jim had drawn with thanos wow before this iron man appearance and jim hadn't seen those pages in you know 40 years uh wow. so we have those in the book as well it's pretty nice. it's pretty you know pretty historical stuff
1: that's very cool so that's the artist book uh is that available from the website
0: uh yeah it's mm-hmm. uh it's uh, so we at ominous we we've, we've done a series of Art books called Black Book because yeah. it's got a black cover and mm-hmm. uh, black and white artwork on the cover, mm-hmm. and um, so we've done four volumes so far: Bart Sears, yeah. Andy Smith, uh, Graham Nolan. We're working on the Daryl Banks one right now, and Jim's is uh, Jim's is also in print, and and it's a you know it's a lot of rarities, kind of stuff like that yeah. that that hadn't been seen before, and then frankly stuff that Jim found digging through files, going, mm-hmm. oh this is kind of cool, nobody's yeah. seen this before. Um, so, th- to me, that was one of the highlights of the book. Is that you know you can really see, you know, you can see the seeds of what Thanos was going to become, even right. in these earliest in these earliest incarnations.
1: That's fantastic. Well, now now we're looking at uh, Roid Rage Thanos. Well, not quite Roid Rage. He was very calm. He was very collected. Very planning. Uh, very scrup- uh, unscrupulous, but slightly
0: buffer. He's been working out. Yeah. He's, in the ensuing years, he's been lifting. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, the Thanos quest, yep. Thanos takes down the in-betweener and every member of, at, well, at that time, every member of the Elders of the universe. Now, you were, around about this time, you were starting your run on Silver Surfer.
0: I was starting my career, yeah.
1: Mm. How does this work when it's the major crossover? I mean, this kind of came out of the blue. There was no... When you see like the massive X-Men crossovers and the Avengers crossovers that go through all the universe, you kind of see the events leading up to this. Thanos Quest came out of the blue, apropos of nothing.
0: It was just, you know, uh, it was just a story that Jim wanted to tell. Um, And obviously the seeds of it were planted in the the Silver Surfer monthly that Mm. Jim was writing and Ron Lim was drawing at the time. Mm. And that was actually my first work, is working on some surfer issues with Jim. Mm. As he was kind of showing me the ropes of this is how this works, right? Um, and then Thanos Quest, uh, which which Ron Lim drew while he was drawing Surfer and Captain America at the time. Um, he's a he's a he's a rare, uncommon breed uh, <laughs> in that he could do that kind of stuff. Um, so, and actually, Thanos Quest is one of my favorite books. Period. I just yeah, I just love that so book. Good. I love the color, mm. um, and I love the fact that you know. The villain is the protagonist, or, Mm. or, um, I, I guess most people would see him as the villain. But you know, it was just uh, watching him do his thing Mm. uh, for two, you know, square-bound 48-page specials was just great. And and then he's taking down jerks. Yeah, and then you get to the end of it, Mm. and you realize, oh, this is just the prelude. There's Mm. more to come. So, um, so really, Jim's. You know, Jim's run on all of this stuff. Uh, Warlock, uh, Captain Marvel to a certain extent, Mm -hmm. certainly Silver Surfer. He's not really writing stories about Silver Surfer. He's writing stories about Thanos. Yeah. Um, And that's sort of the the through line of his career is that he's really mostly telling Thanos stories and it just happens to be, you know, in in books that have another hero's name on the cover. Mm -hmm. So uh, Jim sort of had this infinity gauntlet plan in his mind, um, and so when when Jim went to do the Infinity Gauntlet six issue miniseries uh, with George Perez initially, and then George kind of uh, crapped out because he couldn't. He was working on Infinity Gauntlet and War of the Gods at DC at the same right. time. so two massive crossovers, and mm-hmm. it just the deadlines snarled into each other, and and Ron Lim got conscripted to finish off Infinity Gauntlet. Mm-hmm. So so Jim. Brought the Surfer storyline up to where Infinity Gauntlet uh, takes place. And then stepped away from the Surfer book mm-hmm. and handed it to me. And thankfully, Marvel said, OK. Uh, <laughs> and um, embarked on Infinity Gauntlet and the, the ensuing Warlock series that came mm-hmm. out of it.
1: Uh, we've, we've chatted to uh, Jim up, and he's talked about the the, the yearly powwows that Marvel has. Everybody comes in, this is what the, the deal is, this is what the slate is for the next 12 months, what are the ideas, what else can we bring up? When Jim has this idea for the overall Infinity Gauntlet arc and further, how did, the, how did Marvel help the artists know this is what's happening? How much of an idea were you given of what was coming?
0: Um, well, I was probably given more of an idea than anybody else because, yeah. you know you know Your jim, key, silver, jim, silver jim silver and i key. lived close to each other we, right. you know at that time saw each other three four days a week all right um so this all you know i, I know marvel i'm not it's kind of a chicken and egg thing i, mm-hmm. I know jim wanted to tell this story and i i think it, there's a possibility that it, this story would have just been told in the pages of silver surfer Right. Anyway, um, but Marvel wanted an event Mm -hmm. and they decided to pull it out and put it into its own thing. And obviously, Mm -hmm. thank God they did. Mm -hmm. Few people read it. Few people have seen it in the theaters now. Um, But for me, so I took over Silver Surfer at issue 51, Mm -hmm. which which is an Infinity Gauntlet tie in. Uh, So my first nine issues on the book, I think, were all Infinity Gauntlet tie-ins because we were double shipping in the summer. Right, Um, yes. And so my first experience writing a monthly book was, here, you have to tell stories that have to do with this other story, Mm -hmm. but they need to stand alone, they need to augment the other story. And and really, that's kind of hard, but I didn't know it at the time. Like, because I'm, I'm so wet behind the ears at that point right. that I'm, this just, is just how it's done. I'm just thrilled to be doing it, yeah. period. And, and, you know, excited to be doing the work and excited to be um, part of this event. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I'm seeing Jim's scripts because he's, you know, like, he's got the whole thing written before it's, you know, even halfway drawn. Mm. So I'm seeing the whole thing and then trying to fill in on... You know, wh- where can I tell a story? What, mm-hmm. you know, I, I gotta tell a story between the cracks of this and that. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, I've never, I'm never a guy mm-hmm. that, you know, to me it's sort of like the Roy Thomas school of comic scripting is you're telling stories about other stories. Right. Um, and fitting in the continuity and, and, you know, that's not what I do. Um, I think that's a valid way to tell stories and mm-hmm. I think there's an audience for that, but it's not my thing. So I was trying to kind of learn the, learn the ropes, learn the process of, mm-hmm. of telling stories that were, um, that were involved in Infinity Gauntlet, mm-hmm. but, but stories that you did not have to read to understand the entirety of Infinity right. Gauntlet. So it was a thin line to walk. Um, I don't, I'm frankly not the one to judge how well it was all pulled off. You can Um, never,
1: you know, credibility when you do your own press. Of course.
0: That's true. Um, (laughs) But I think, you know, looking back on it now, it was a huge learning experience for me Mm -hmm. to, like, be able to play in a shared universe and figure out how to tell those stories so that they were satisfying in and of themselves, but added to the greater whole, Mm -hmm. which is essentially what you you do in a shared universe on a regular basis. Um, So, like, I didn't know it at the time, but that was. You know, that was terribly instrumental for me to like, understand that context of the sure. job.
1: When it, comes to, uh, when it comes to playing with certain toys, you've got the toy box of the Marvel Universe, and you say, Right, uh, I want a couple of the issues had Fire Lord, had Drax. So you had some of the key characters that were involved in the Infinity Gauntlet story. How do you go about saying, Can I play with this? Do I have permission for this? I've got these ideas. Uh, did you, I'm guessing everything had to run by Marvel and I had to be okay with it editorially.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, one of the conveniences was that Surfer and Infinity Gauntlet and the Warlock stuff was all in the same office. It was mm-hmm. all the same editor, which is Craig Anderson, mm-hmm. uh, my first editor mm-hmm. in comics ever. And, you know, taught me a lot and, and obviously extended me a lot of grace sure. uh, to kind of figure out what I was doing while I was doing it. And, um, so that made it a lot easier. Mm -hmm. And Craig also trusted Jim immensely. This was Jim's story. Jim knew what he was doing. Um, you don't need to tell Jim Starlin how to make comics. Uh, so, you know, so Jim and I would talk about stuff and then we would just do it, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and Craig would be fine with it because he, you know, he trusted Jim to wrangle me. Uh, and. And I, you know, and I guess I did it well enough that he didn't, you know, they didn't have to throw up red flags and say, what the hell Drax. is this guy doing? Sure. Um, so the, the convenience of it was that it was, um, that it was largely contained within Craig's office. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I, wanna, if I wanna borrow Drax, um, I'm just borrowing it from the same office. Sure. So everybody, everybody's on the same page and really it's, it's Jim's story that we're running. So right. if, if Jim's okay with me borrowing Drax for this issue, Everybody's you know, going to be okay. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Then.
1: Yeah. The, the gauntlet storyline finishes with, obviously, Thanos' defeat. There might be certain impressionistic spoilers that might apply then to whatever happens at Endgame because they almost pulled it off in Infinity War. Uh, rather, they just had uh, Spider-Man, Star-Lord, and Mantis running the play rather than the Surfer flying in at speed to try and grab the gauntlet so there was a, there's almost like the homage, the imagery homage of how they almost get it done. So s- somebody could read the, the ending of this and kind of imply how it might happen. One thing I did like at the end of it was, the, was Adam Warlock's discussion with Thanos on the farm planet about his internal ability to ruin his own plans.
0: Yeah, well, it's, that's, I mean, that's something that Jim and I have talked about mm. quite a bit is that Thanos is always the architect of his own defeat, um, and and ultimately Thanos is a character of hunger, of of um, insatiable hunger, and ulti- ultimately self-defeating. Mm-hmm. Um, just like I think Kirby said that, um, you know, the Hulk is a character of of uh, anger, you know, that's the that's the primary motivating factor. Thanos right. is always grasping for something, and even when he gets that something, it doesn't satisfy him. So he, he generally constructs his own defeat because the grasping of, the grasping at the thing mm-hmm. is, more, is more seductive than having the thing. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, ultimately, you look at all of the Thanos stories that Jim has done mm-hmm. and that's, that's, the, that's the factor that ties them all together is the heroes really don't defeat Thanos. Mm-hmm he th- he defeats himself most of the time, or he plants, at least plants the seeds of his own defeat.
1: This opens up... Well, the Thanos quest effectively charted the next three years of the major crossover events at Marvel. It was Infinity Gauntlet, then it was Infinity War, then it was Infinity Crusade. Uh, again, I'm guessing Jim's piloting most of the, the storyline around these...
0: Yeah, and and, you know, there was no, I don't, again, I wanna speak for Jim, but I don't recall that there was a, you know, oh, well, you know, this is gonna be a series of three crossover events and, Mm -hmm. you know, Infinity Gauntlet was the story they were gonna tell and then um, move on to other things. But Infinity Gauntlet was so successful Mm -hmm. that Marvel came back and said, oh, we need more of this. Do that again. <laughs> uh, so that's where, you know, that's where uh, War and Crusade came from. Sure. And the, the difference being, as I'm looking over your shoulder at these covers, mm-hmm. is that the first, um, the first Infinity Gauntlet thing, mm-hmm. not a lot of the other offices wanted to play. Really? Yeah. Like, it was, it was a crossover that came out of Craig's office. And if you, mm-hmm. if you go back and look at the, the, uh, the tie-in issues, um, they were generally out of Craig's office, too. There were a few right. things others than that here and there for Infinity Gauntlet. And then when Infinity War came out, everybody wanted to come play because it was a big success. Uh-huh. And you know, obviously success has many fathers. Uh, yeah. Failure is an orphan. <laughs> uh, so, so it became a big, you know, became a much bigger deal. Yes. Because um, you, you can look at a lot of the characters in, um, in Infinity Gauntlet and it's not everybody. Mm. Like the X-Men, to great extent, not aren't, aren't in, you know, because the X-Men always said, hey, go fuck yourselves. You know?
1: <laughs> I do remember looking at the covers. Going, I, I don't see, when you look at uh, the cover to Secret Wars, Cyclops is there, all of the X-Men are there, and you look at the Infinity Gauntlet covers, there's, there's not a lot. And yeah, At yeah. this point, Wolverine was in everything. Yeah,
0: it, it, was, it was a situation of, you know, you didn't have to play if you didn't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and a number of offices didn't want to. They didn't want to, you know. Ah, that's, you know. The, the, obviously, at that point, X Men still ruled the roost in terms of monthly sales, uh-huh. um, and and they were, you know, they didn't have to come play if they didn't want to. And they and they didn't. Sure. So um, so, you know, flash forward a year, and Infinity War comes out. Well, Wolverine is rather large on that cover right there. Yeah. The, um, so so everybody. <laughs> Like, everybody wanted to be in. Everybody wanted to be part of these storylines because it was a huge success the last time. So, oh, you know, mm. let's, let's, let's see if we can get a sales bump on our books sure. from tying into this.
1: Mm. How, does, how does Thanos react to other people trying to pull, uh, pull rank on his game effectively? Because the, the Infinity War stemmed from Adam Warlock's desire to not be unduly influenced by his emotions to be able to use the Infinity Gauntlet if he needed to. So he effectively expunged his bad side and his good side. But the bad side reformed as the Magus, which is uh, an iteration that had it appeared before. Uh, and then the good side also appeared as a, as a character. So they basically became their own embodiments and started almost their, their, their attempt to rule the universe. Yeah, How does think- Thanos
0: react to these sorts of things? Um, It's it's interesting because Infinity War and Crusade are really kind of more warlock stories than they Mm -hmm. are Thanos stories. And obviously Thanos is a big part of them as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that's why Infinity Gauntlet is still sort of the benchmark, um, because it's a Thanos story, Mm -hmm. first and foremost. Um, You know, Thanos is, uh, I love the fact that he's never quite the bad guy and he's never quite the good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of the reasons that I liked writing him so much. Mm-hmm. And if you look at my work at the time, like any time I got a chance, Thanos he, was in a story. I was, th- I was thinking about it last night, and then I, I wrote one fill-in issue of Quasar. Oh, yes. um, issue 59. I, it ended up as issue 59, because the Quasar editor was the Thor editor, and when I was writing Thor, mm-hmm. um, he said, do you, you know, you got time to do a... Thanos, or to, to to do basically a quasar inventory issue, and I'm thinking I don't really know what to give a shit about quasar, but you know, <laughs> sure I'll do it. Yeah. Um. And you know, and that's a story with, uh, Thanos and Eros in it, um, mm-hmm. or Star Fox, as he was called, because because <sighs> yeah. that's a that's a cool name. Yeah. Um. <laughs> we, so you know,
1: he was a, he was a '70s appearance as well originally. Yeah. Because yeah. he's an eternal. Yeah. Well,
0: he is he is. I mean, ultimately. Uh, Thanos and Eros are you know twin sides yes. of the same coin. Yeah. Um so uh so yeah, like anytime I got a chance to to do something mm-hmm. um I, I would tell a Thanos story with with Jim's blessing because he was okay with the way I wrote him. Mm-hmm. Um, that issue of Quasar, um, cosmic powers, uh, one-shots and issues, mm-hmm. a lot of them I did Thanos stories in. Um the Cosmic Powers miniseries, which was essentially a Thanos story. Yep. Um, I put Thanos in my my odd Secret Defenders run because yeah. I don't know if I ever told you this story, but the, no. I I was uh, in New York to go out to lunch with my uh, my Thor editor mm-hmm. uh, to discuss the next year of Thor because I, the first year was not any good. It was not what I wanted. Um, the artist wasn't really compatible with the kind of stuff we were doing. So I had stories that I wanted to tell for my second year of Thor and then, okay, now I can tell the kind of st- Thor stories I want. So we go out to lunch and his boss, his editor, uh, was Ralph Macchio mm-hmm. and um, long time Marvel editor. Long, long time Marvel editor. And so we go to Ralph's favorite Italian restaurant and uh, it's me, uh, the editor, Mike Rockwitz, his assistant, Joe Andriani. Ralph and Tom Grinberg, who was going to come on to Thor with me okay. for the second year, my th- second year on Thor. And we get to, the, we get to um, the lunch table, and Ralph turns to me and he goes, So, I'm so pleased that you've agreed to take on Secret Defenders, because it really needs a boost. What do you have in mind? And this is the first time that the words Secret Defenders <laughs> have ever been spoken in my presence. Uh huh. So this I is, look at the editor, and I and he looks at me wide eyed, and I I realize that what's happened is the editor was supposed to find a new creative team for Secret Defenders because right. it was not you know it was basically like Mission Impossible with Doctor Strange running picking a team different teams <laughs> and um, and I look at the editor and he looks back at me wide eyed and I realize that he he was assigned to go get a new creative team. And didn't so. Tom, threw you under
1: the bus at the time. Tom
0: table. and I show up thinking we're going to talk about <laughs> Thor, and he must have gone to Ralph earlier earlier in the morning. And mm-hmm. when it's them, These guys. they're doing it. And didn't Tom, even, and you didn't even get a brief. No idea, no idea. And so Tom looks at me in a panic, and and I'm like, so split second I have to decide. Well, do I throw my editor under the bus and go? <gasps> I don't know what the fuck you're talking we heard about, about, Ralph. This. Or do I just say, oh, yeah, uh, this will be great. So I just made up a bunch of stuff on the spot. Uh, and the, the chief part of it was, well, Thanos is going to run the Secret Defenders now. He's going he's to bring together a team of villains, and they're going to uh-huh. do a thing. And he went, oh, that sounds great. We're really excited for you to do that. Okay. Wow. And so then, this makes and, and then on the way back from, from lunch... Uh, you know, like we're walking back on the sidewalk, and, and Tom Grinberg grabs me and pulls me back, and he goes, What the fuck's going on? <laughs> so and you're I honest, said, I, said yeah. I have no idea. Just shut up, and we'll yeah. see how this
1: all plays out. So, sorry, Tom, you've now got Thor and Secret
0: Defenders that you've got to do every month. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, eventually I left Thor and left Secret Defenders too, because right. it really wasn't a book that I wanted to write. Sure. But, you know, but the odd thing now is that, that, that Secret Defenders run of Mm -hmm. three or four, I mean, I did half dozen or nine issues or something like that overall, Mm -hmm. but that Thanos gets a bunch of villains together storyline that I Mm -hmm. made up on the spot has now been reprinted a bunch because it's got Thanos in it. Mm -hmm. By God, they're going to reprint everything that's got (laughs) Thanos in it uh, no matter what.
1: When it comes to, you've said that Thanos is the the hero of his own story. He's got his own motivations Uh, and Jim was happy with the way that you wrote him, is that, is that a general thing that happens that like, not everybody could write Darkseid? Not everybody could write every character in the DC or in the movie or in any universe. Is it that there are certain writers who just are better at certain storylines, at capturing certain characters than others?
0: Yeah, I think that's always true. And you, you never quite know what that's going to be or who that's mm-hmm. going to be. Um, I think for me, obviously, it was part of it was that I'm, you know, I was and still am close with Jim, and I mm-hmm. sort of understand what, what his take on Thanos is. And to me, his take is, well, he created him, so he knows. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's his character to a great extent. Mm. So, um, I mean, one of the nicer things, things that I've had people say to me is that, you know, they when I took over Silver Surfer, they didn't know I took over Silver Surfer. They thought... They didn't look at the credits and just felt like Jim was still writing it. True, sure. which you know, when you're doing your first work ever, it's, that's pretty that's cool. A pretty good that's thing. pretty good.
1: That's a pretty good thing. So yes, the Infinity War then gives way to the Infinity Crusade, and now it's rather than death and destruction, it's you will have love and peace throughout the universe. You had some Infinity Crusade crossovers as well. Uh, anything. Any major about that that uh, that struck you?
0: Um, not really. I mean, it was like at this point, it's sort of okay. Right, well, we know how this works. i yeah. You know, figure out. I got to figure out uh, what to do. And I think Jim and I would talk about. Well, here, here's like I'm looking at the cover right now of mm-hmm. Wonder Man and Storm and uh, and a Surfer tie-in. And I think that was that was like a stray piece from one of the issues where, where you know, Jim and I had talked. And he's like, oh, here's you know. Here's something. Here's a. Here's something that you can expand upon that we mm-hmm. don't have room for in the regular book. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how you know. That's how a lot of these um, sort of grew from you know the seeds, little seeds that were planted here and there in the regular series. Um, the other thing that really occurs to me is that you know because Ron Lim was drawing these infinity issues, he wasn't drawing Surfer. Right. right. We we were constantly in in the. Uh, In the process of, all right, well, who can we find to draw these issues? Mm -hmm. You know, who's around to draw these three issues until Ron can come back to the book? And so it was, uh, you know, on the plus side, I got to work with a lot of different artists and Mm -hmm. see who's, you know, see different styles on my scripts. And uh, on the on the minus side, there was no there was no consistency to uh, to a lot of those issues in terms of the artists. Um, You know, again, it was good learning experience, Um, Mm -hmm. but obviously, I had been. I had been quite spoiled working with Ron Lim mm-hmm. you know, on my initial stuff because he's really good and he knows what he's doing and, yeah. and certainly um, uh, boosted, uh, boosted my understanding of how this process works. Sure. Like I would you know, turn in a script and then they would, mm-hmm. the pages would come back and they would be real. They would right. look like, oh, it's, this is an actual comic we're going to print. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I know that you know, Ron was doing a hell of a lot of work at this point. uh mm-hmm. And I always felt like, and, and you know, I would talk to Ron on the phone too and, and say, he'd be like, oh, I wish I was just Ron Surfer and, and Infinity Crusade, not this, all this other stuff, tie-ins and all that, you know, eventually got pulled into X-Men 2099 and uh, any number of other projects. Cause he, you know, he was fast and he would generally, the editors came to him saying, oh, we really need you to do this cause we're, we're in a bind. Yeah. He would find a way to do it even though he was, you know, way overworked at that point. Sure.
1: Whoa, I'm not sure how I got here, but this is a really cool podcast. Well, while I'm here, I guess I'll introduce myself. I am the incredible Jeff, the host of Fueled by Deathcast, the weekly podcast from the Deathwish Coffee Company. Each week, I get to talk with a special guest from rock stars to astronauts about what they do and what fuels their passion, because we're all fueled by death. We want to leave this world a little different before we inevitably leave it for good. Follow Fueled by Deathcast on all social media and subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, or the Deathwish Coffee Company YouTube page. But for now, let's finish this awesome podcast. So I've just, sorry, this is an audio podcast, so yeah, what I've just done on the screen, you have no idea. So I've just done the slide transition to Thanos from the MCU. And that's what I'd like to talk about for, for the remaining time. Did they, did they make a movie? I don't I know if anybody saw it. I think I it was an indie release. Uh, Avengers was an indie release? <laughs> yeah. Did you see it? Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. See, nobody knows what it means. <laughs> <laughs> I put the acronym up on the screen. Nobody knows yeah. what it means. Well, that's from, that's from the <laughs> comics. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, there was a, a little movie series that have come out. The Avengers and this guy has shown up in a bunch, do you feel that they've captured, obviously we've we've discussed that they had to make slight changes around the backstory, have they got him right?
0: Yeah, that's Thanos, you know, that's, um, that to me is, the, you know, to me the, the spirit of the characters is much more important than the details. Mm-hmm. And I think they got the spirit of Thanos right. Mm-hmm. And I know Jim feels that way too. So, uh, you know, my, my opinion is inconsequential. If sure. he's happy, yeah. then they got it right. Did they consult Jim a lot for this? Um, not initial. Like, when, when Thanos shows up... What was the first movie he showed up at the at end the of? At the back end of the Avengers. Back end of he the first their, Avengers. The head tilts yeah. and he's very purple. Yeah, which is actually a different actor. It's obviously, yeah. that's not... Um, mm-hmm. That's Judge not Brolin, uh, Brolin at that point. It's a, it's a, it's a different. Oddly, it's a different actor um, mm-hmm. whose name is escaping me right now. Uh, but that guy is actually friends with my friend Andy Smith, mm-hmm. who inked Jim Starlin and Ron Lim on a number of Infinity projects. Wow. Um, so, it's all very incestuous, sure. obviously. Um, but so that's that was like they got him you know sort of on last minute notice and they were just like we need a guy with a cool looking face that we can Mm -hmm. CGI over and that's him like turning and looking at you Mm -hmm. and I remember seeing that first Avengers movie and um, and waiting through to the end and not not knowing that Thanos was at the end Mm -hmm. and obviously it's a character that's you know it's obviously for me it's it's near and dear, obviously nowhere near as near and dear it is as it is for Jim. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm sitting in the theater with, I think, my youngest, my two youngest kids, my son and daughter. And um, towards the end of the movie, um, I've got my phone on, on vibrate, you know. And my phone goes off and I, I feel it in my pocket, and I take it out of my pocket. And it's Jim Starlin calling me. He's in
1: another cinema watching the same thing. Um,
0: Yeah, he's you know because Jim now Jim lives like an hour south of me. Sure. Or I live an hour north of Jim, whatever way. (laughs) Jim didn't move, I did. So I guess I live an hour north from him. (laughs) Um, And uh, and so you know, and then I obviously don't answer the phone because I'm in the theater, and that's rude. And you you know you should be beaten (laughs) if you answer your phone in the theater. Um, So I get out of the theater, and you know, and then I see. And then I see Thanos at the you know in the end credits. Holy shit! Uh, so I you know get out of the theater and I call Jim back. And he's like, "Did you know Thanos was in that movie?" I'm like, "Yeah, I just saw it," because he didn't know. Like I, nobody had told wow. him. Um, and then uh, and then when the Russo brothers got you know got in place to do the third and fourth Avengers mm-hmm. movies, and this is the story. Um, they talked to Jim quite a bit and Jim's been on set and Mm -hmm. they really brought him into the process. Right. Um, and I, you know, he's told me stories about, you know, going to, going to the production offices in Atlanta and seeing pages of Infinity Gauntlet, you know, stripped out of the book and hung up on, on, uh, Oh, that's uh, going to be as reference reference material. That's cool. Yeah. So it's, you know, they are very much looking at that material Mm -hmm. for direct inspiration. Right. Uh, and so obviously Jim has since met them and, and, uh, and Broland and he's... Yeah, I think what the hell's today. What, what the hell day is it on this side of the world? Today is uh, today Sunday. Today is Sunday, I think...
1: Movie releases uh, in five days' time.
0: I think Jim flew out to L.A. yesterday. Mm-hmm. The premiere is Monday night, so right. he'll be at the premiere. Um, hang out a couple... In LA, I'm sorry couple we had to bring you out here so you missed that. Yeah, it sucks, sorry. huh? Yeah, um, sorry. So... Um, so, and I know, I, I don't think I'm supposed to say this, but if you... Listen, if, this isn't going to go out
1: for another, at least another couple of weeks.
0: Oh, it's okay then. So, yeah, if you, if you look fairly closely at the movie, you'll, you'll, you'll see Thanos' dad in the movie. So Jim has, a, Jim has a cameo. He has a cameo? Yeah.
1: That's very funky. You heard it so, here first. All, all of you in this packed audience, audience. so, so in, the, in, in, the, uh, in the
0: fine tradition of yeah. Stanley Lee and uh, you know Walt Simonson That's being so cool. in the Thor Jim movies a cameo. yeah
1: wow I really wish I could drop that as a spoiler but I'm not gonna we're just gonna keep that as a secret amongst all of us in the room okay. <laughs> <laughs> sorry uh,
0: <laughs> and, and I can also tell you that oh. um, Jim's happy with the movie
1: that's a big thing. Yeah, That's, it, one of the things about the the Thanos the the depiction is, he does love Gamora. He is he's not made of stone. He is capable of love. He does love things in the comics. He does love death, and that personification. Uh, it's always posi- he's always positioned as no, he's just this hard guy. But no, he is capable of these things. He just well, has a belief.
0: That's why he's a good character. Yeah. I mean, there's, he, is, he is as multidimensional as any of the heroes, mm-hmm. and perhaps even more so. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's one of the reasons that I was drawn back to the character again and again, because, um, because you could do both ends of the spectrum. You could, right. you know, he, would, he would be, you know, he was the guy that killed Captain America in the Infinity Gauntlet um, and, and enjoyed doing it. Mm-hmm. But he was also the guy that would do the right thing, mm-hmm. if that's what, um, if if that's what suited his purposes at that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so a, a lot of the times when, I, like, I never felt like when I when I wrote Thanos in any appearance, I never felt like he was the villain of the of mm-hmm. the story. He was he was a protagonist, um, and whichever side of that hero villain line he was on, or or more correctly, I think, whatever side of the hero villain line you perceived him to be on had more to do with your perspective than his
1: Mm -hmm. they've already announced that the Eternals is going to be a series Uh, they've already started casting there's rumors Angelina Jolie will be in it I think based on the fact that he's been in the movie universe they're not even going to try and touch that origin story of him any thoughts on that
0: um I don't know I I don't know and I don't care I guess Mm -hmm. uh it's, um, to me, Eternals is, is a very Kirby, I, I hope it turns out to be a very Jack Kirby sort of uh, rendition mm-hmm. of it. Um, the, the connection, you know, I think there's probably good reason to make subtle connections between Thanos and the Titans and the Eternals mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But I think one of the things that the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe or MCU, as the cool kids call it, uh, does really well. Well,
1: that, that cool kid, <laughs>
0: man. Um, is that, like, all of that, that lore and that continuity, that backstory, that stuff is there. Mm-hmm. And if the hardcore fans want to um, thread that stuff together, mm-hmm. you can do so. But for John Q. Public on the street, who is probably never going to read a comic... But will be in line the first weekend to see these movies. Mm-hmm. It's just entertainment. It's it, and and it's well done entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that's one of the that's one of the real secrets to the success of the MCU is that it it appeals both to the hardcore audience and to the lay audience, um, mm-hmm. and and appeals to them both um, in much the same way. Right. Uh, you know, and it's. The stuff is there if you want it to be, but mm-hmm. if you if you if you come into this, you know, completely ignorant of all of those connections and details, um, you don't you're not missing anything. Sure. You still you still pay your money and you get well. In the case of the new movie, like a three hour three hour ride. Yeah, right. Which is which is frankly really difficult. Like having this many characters in a movie, um, and pulling off a storyline that still has. Human resonance and and engages you on a on a dramatic level is really tough. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like I think I think um, Infinity War did it much better than the second mm. um, Avengers movie, which yeah. I think got to sort of the the level of spectacle where it's cool to look at, but it's tough to be engaged. Yeah, yeah. And that, I think and I was... think the reason it, it works is because. Thanos is a much better villain than Ultron. Yeah. Not that Ultron's a bad villain, but he's a villain. Thanos mm-hmm. is a character.
1: Yeah. Interesting. We will, uh, take, we will take questions. So if anybody does have a question, please head up to the microphone just so we can make sure that we record it. So as, uh, as that happens, I'm going to throw a question to you, Ron. Considering everything that Thanos has done, considering what's happening in the MCU, there is a storyline in Marvel Comics where he grabs hold of the heart of the universe and destroys the universe until Adam convinces him he needs to bring it all back and, and fix it. Considering all of that, is there still a Thanos storyline that simmers in the back of your head?
0: Something that you go, you know, I'd really love to just do this. Um, I don't know. You know, it's, it's funny. People ask me if I have... Another Silver Surfer story to tell, mm-hmm. like fairly regularly. So I get that one a lot. I don't really get asked Thanos st- questions a lot mm-hmm. um, because I think people really perceive it as, as Jim's toy and not mine, sure. which I think is completely valid. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, Jim is pretty much done with Thanos at that at this point. He's told mm-hmm. his stories and he's separated himself from Marvel editorial. Mm-hmm. Um, Alan Davis is is doing amazing work on those original graphic novels that. Uh, Jim wrote uh, which I am frankly privileged to see the early pages as they come in I'm a big big fan of Alan's work uh, to me you know like Alan is you know uh, he might be the perfect superhero artist I don't know that anybody's better at it maybe maybe Garcia Lopez Uh, but like to me Alan Davis is what comics look like yeah Uh, so uh, and I was it's funny I was actually uh, on the panel in Baltimore at Baltimore Comic Con Uh, so I was on a panel with Jim Starlin and Alan Davis somehow I snuck on there as well. making up the numbers and and yeah I was filling out the seats Uh, and a couple other and a couple other pros and it was the first time Jim and Alan had met Uh, because Alan doesn't do at least at that point had not done a lot of American appearances Mm -hmm. and um, and it was sort of this obvious mutual admiration society of Jim and Alan saying nice things about each other's work, mm-hmm. and um, and after that panel, Jim and Alan kind of saying, "Well, hey, you want to maybe you want to work together on something? I, I'll write you something." And and you know, so that's where it actually started. And then wow. you know, now they've done you know whatever it is, three or four you know hundred-page graphic novels. Yeah, but it it literally started like on that stage.
1: That's incredible. All right, so we've we've had spoilers for those late you missed a major spoiler about Endgame sucks to be you no it doesn't involve Ant-Man doesn't involve anything related to Ant-Man thank you very much uh, I think uh, we still got a few more minutes if, uh, if there we, are any questions we actually have as
0: many minutes as you want because you this run this true. show uh, well this is true you can, I, c- I could pull rank you can stride show. the cosmos like a mad titan if you wanted to <laughs>
1: Um, I'm just going to check with the sound guys. Uh, sound guy, was that recorded? Because that's going to be a sound bite from this point onwards. Yeah. Are you saying that that recording failed? I've I've sab- self sabotaged like a mad titan. I've killed my own blurb That's terrible. The who else? So Alan's doing work with Jim right now, and that's cool. Who else do you think captures the essence of Thanos?
0: Um, I, you know Ron Lim is you know I, I think a lot of people look at Ron Lim's Thanos because he's the guy that drew all the Infinity stuff mm-hmm. um, so he's probably he's probably actually drawn Thanos more than Jim has right. you know, in terms of number of pages mm-hmm. um, uh, obviously George Perez has done a has done a fair chunk as well because yeah. he was the first guy on, on Infinity Gauntlet mm. Um. Remember, I can remember seeing those, like, George's pages up at the office when they came in at that St. Patrick's Cathedral. Spread, yes. Um, and really kind of going, well, that's, you know, George Perez, the only dude crazy enough to draw that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I think, I think people think of, think of, of Jim Stano's and mm-hmm. they think of Ron Stano's first and foremost.
1: Right. The... The decision at the end of one of the the Infinity series for Adam to give out a soul stone, well, an infinity stone. He had his infinity watch, but then there was a, a stone that remained hidden. And that was given to that was actually given to Thanos for safekeeping. Warlock's decision to do that, considering who Thanos is, that I'm gonna you know what, we've we've just defeated you. But I'm still going to give you one of these things. How does how does Thanos feel about that?
0: Um, I think that's just another, you know, what? Do I, okay, that's step one. What's step two? What do I do next? What do I? You know, he's uh-huh. he's he's an inveterate schemer, and he's <laughs> he's really smarter than anybody around him. I mean, that's that's one of his gifts. Is he's mm-hmm. and he never you
1: know, he rarely overplays it. He's he's
0: he's better at this than all of them. Mm-hmm. At be- partially because he's more ruthless, mm-hmm. but also because he's smarter than any of
1: them. Mm-hmm. Thanos versus Darkseid, who wins?
0: Uh, you, the reader.
1: <laughs> Actually, yeah, that, well, yes. Because there would never be a definitive ending to that story. Um, there couldn't I think, be.
0: I think when I wrote Marvel versus DC, I yes. know we did a panel of Thanos versus Darkseid in there. Yeah. Because, you know, because... It, You had to, yeah. Like people would ride in the streets, right? So we we had to do all of that stuff. We had to do, you know, Green Arrow and Hawkeye, and and uh, Aquaman and Namor, and like Mm -hmm. all of those things that were necessary. And we had, I don't know, 130 pages or whatever that overall storyline was, you know. So we, the period in which we did that, that's what you know, that's what a big storyline was. Mm I mean, now if you did Marvel versus DC, it would be a year-long event and be about six thousand pages long, mm-hmm. and everything would get its own miniseries, <laughs> um, because you, it, this might come as a shock, but publishers are interested in making money. Um, true. I, this is
1: this is a thing that's come up with a couple of times. True, I, I heard
0: that once. Yeah. Um, but um, so, but all that stuff. I mean, that that's honestly my only regret with mm-hmm. doing Marvel versus DC, which was you know like the, literally the pro- project I wanted to do since I was ten years old. I can yeah. remember writing a. Writing a letter to i don't forget it whether it's probably Marvel because I was more mm-hmm. of a marvel kid, and I was like eight or ten years old, saying, You know this you, would be you should you should have the Justice League fight the Avengers because obviously nobody had ever thought of that <laughs> um, so you know flash forward whatever it was mm-hmm. twenty years or twenty five years, and I get to do that that that's crazy but so one of the things that was you know the true gift of that was even just getting in a panel of all that stuff mm-hmm. um, and showing those two characters with each other. Um, uh, although I, I actually now that I think about it, in um, if you get issue, I think it's probably issue 12 of Secret Defenders, Darkseid's yeah. in it. He's he's on a big video screen uh, in Sneaky in Thanos's lair. Out. Yeah, wow. like that's and you could that's when you could get away with that shit. Sure. Like now. Not a chance. Now they freak out. Um, so when they actually when they reprinted it, because Warner they, Brothers has got lawyers too. Yeah, oddly, uh, <laughs> just looking for something to do. Um, I think when they reprinted that stuff, they left it in there because nobody noticed it. Like nobody was looking at it. Yeah. So it's still in there.
1: That uh, DC versus Marvel crossover. A lot of that was was fan driven. You needed to vote who would win those matchups. Uh, was was that always consistent, or was there editorial
0: changes? based around,
1: well, yeah, the fan vote's gone this way, but that's not really how it should go.
0: Well, we had, um, there were 11, like, major battles. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we had six that were sort of the prelims, and obviously they needed to go three and three, so we just figured, made those mm-hmm. up ourselves. And then the five the five battles that we voted on, that mm-hmm. the fans voted on were... Cap um, Batman. Cap Batman, uh, Superman Hulk. Yep. uh Lobo Wolverine. Yes. Uh, Wonder Woman, Storm, and the other one. Uh, <laughs> actually, I don't remember what the other one was. Wasn't Thor? No, um, no it wasn't Thor. But Thor
1: threw down with Shazam, didn't he? Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, actually, that's that's odd. I don't remember what the other one is. Um,
1: it mustn't have been important.
0: Uh, apparently not. <laughs> um, but we 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 sort of knew which way most of those were going to go. Sure. There were no no surprises. They're popularity contests. They're not like, oh, who would really win? Lobo's Um, not taking out Wolverine. (laughs) um, uh, Yeah, apparently not. Um, The only one we weren't sure of was was Storm Wonder Woman because obviously Wonder Woman was iconic, Mm -hmm. but Storm was X-Men, and X-Men ruled the roost at that period. Um, But, you know, we played it straight. All those votes were... You know, the votes were tabulated and when, so I wrote the issue in which all of those uh, battles took place and the the end result was revealed for all of those. So what we had to do was, I had to write both endings and we had to draw both endings to the battles. Even though we were, you know, like fairly certain that, well, Batman's going to beat Captain America because, you know, he's Batman. Um...
1: I think the line was that Batman would Batman won by doing something that Captain America would never do. Yeah, right,
0: because Batman cheats. Yeah. Um, I think the only yeah the only one we weren't positive was was Wonder Woman Storm, um, but we had to do it in such a way that we could swap out at maximum a page. Sure. Because you didn't want to you know have to have the art team to redraw an entire yeah five page sequence or whatever. So most of that. When you look at those things, mm-hmm. most of them are, you know, Superman and the Hulk slam into a mountain, the mountain collapses on them, and then one of them rises out of the rubble. Well, the the, the rises that's an image. The that's- rises out of the rubble part is we drew that twice. Yeah. Um, you know, Lobo and, and Wolverine go behind a bar, and one of them comes up and With grabs a cigar, the cigar and smokes. Yeah. This was, you know, this was back in the in the. The, the bygone era where you could actually show Wolverine smoking a cigar in a comic. Yeah. Um, so so part of my part of my job on that mm-hmm. was to make, you know, make as little extra work as possible for the artist mm-hmm. so that we could just swap in, you know, half a page or even a panel if we could. Right. Okay.
1: I think, uh, well, we've actually, yeah, we've got time for a couple of questions. Could I ask you to step up to the mic though, please? Sorry, sir, I apologize for, very nice shirt though. San Diego Comic-Con shirt uh, and that's what Yes. That's what we aspire to be. There you so go. <laughs> you have a question.
0: From, from small things, great things come. Uh, you piqued my interest. Were the alternate unused endings ever published anywhere? Nope. Nobody's ever seen them except me. Uh, Who has them and where I, can we I get them? I don't know. I, I, my, I talked to Dan Jurgens about it one time because Dan was one of the artists on the, on the project. And I don't know that, I don't know that Dan remembered where they were. Because um, they obviously got sent into the office, mm-hmm. and I, I think they probably got the the art back. Right. So it's it's possible Dan Dan it's has his. And, yeah, he's, he's probably he's probably sitting in a in a flat file somewhere. <laughs> yeah,
1: we need we need a hashtag to drive this. Release the hidden, re- release the unseen. Now, no, that's never going to work. Those um, fans sort of well, you know,
0: work. you know, as as a guy who gets royalties off of Marvel versus DC, oh, I would, you I, this. I, w- I would very much like those books to come back into print, but. But they're not, uh, right, well, because well, they don't, you know, there's the, the, uh, the fact that Marvel and DC could go, yeah, let's publish those again mm-hmm. and make some money is not, um, d- does not uh, overcome the, the rivalry between the two of
1: them. Right. I think, uh, I think that is actually all we've got. Oh, so it's 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 another question, goes, please. Um, exactly what kind of a villain is Thanos? Um, he's, he's not a villain, he's
0: just, he's, you know, it, it, whether he's a villain or not depends on your perspective, not his. Uh, he's he tortured doesn't, with self-belief. He doesn't think he's a villain. Fair point,
1: and, but like often in writing there are the two archetypes, I know they're not set in stone, but still either evil for evil's sake or motivated in a sense the understood villain.
0: Oh, he's completely motivated by his own, you know, his own deal. He's not he I don't I don't think Thanos is evil. I mean, he might have wiped out half the universe, but, you know, it's just like having a bad day that day.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so he's he's not not evil. evil. It's like he's burdened with self-purpose.
0: All right, so you've mentioned Adam Wallach quite a lot in this uh, little talk mm-hmm. we've had. What do you think the likelihood of him showing up in the Endgame film is after we saw him at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy?
1: Yeah, so at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy, you saw the cocoon that the original, it was very much an homage to the original him uh, origin story with the Hive. I think it was the, the Hive, mm-hmm. the guys that then actually created him. But like you said about Thanos' uh, love of death, there's too much baggage, too much backstory to bring that in. Now, in Endgame, would there be space to bring in an Adam Warlock, who is the alpha to Thanos' omega?
0: I, you know, I, I honestly don't know. Jim hasn't told me, because um, he said I can't tell you. Uh, I, so Jim knows? I, yeah, Jim knows. He's, you know, he signed an NDA. Uh, oh, those things. Fairly ironclad. Yeah, Disney <laughs> NDAs tend to be, you know. Fairly ironclad, stronger than the Um, Infinity Gauntlet, and uh, so I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, My guess is no, because there's, because it's really an Avengers story. Yeah, you know, and I think dramatically, you have to pay that off with the Avengers. Yeah, Adam's uh, coming without, without you know, bringing in a. I I could be completely wrong, Mm -hmm. but without bringing in that sort of wild card, although honestly, one of my favorite scenes ever. In comics is in that original Warlock versus Thanos storyline that yeah. Jim did in uh, the Avengers Annual and the Marvel yeah. Two-in-One Annual, where where Adam Warlock gets killed, which stunned me as a like a ten-year-old or whatever I was. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, this dude actually died in comics and he's yeah. not coming back. And then. His, you know, his spirit comes back and turns Thanos into stone. It was the most amazing thing ever. Um, but I think, dramatically, in terms of a movie, you can't have the universe saved by this dude who's never been seen before. It
1: steals from the um, redemptive nature of the Avengers yeah, themselves.
0: Yeah. However, you know, there's a bunch of gold people running around in Guardians of the Galaxy there are too. A bunch of gold so, um, so I, I, I know who I know who uh, who they offered the Adam Warlock role to at one point. I'm not going to say it on a podcast, but I'll tell you later.
1: All right, all right, okay. So there will be a group huddle off the stage, away from the mics. Sound tech, Grant, make sure that does not. Just for my own personal records, but otherwise, no, that's fine. Uh, I think that is it. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Oh, no! No, one more question. Let's fit in one more question. The thing I'm always kind of intrigued about when I hear authors say things like "This guy's the smartest guy in the universe. He's the most intelligent." How do you even begin to write that with a normally intelligent brain? Like, how do you approach a character like that assumption and try and make them believable? Assumption of Ron Ma's normal, uh, normal
0: intelligence. Yeah, you'd, you'd have to ask someone with a you know normally intelligent brain because um, the, the, the honest answer to that is like I know where the story goes and you don't, so I just look smarter.
1: So it's you. You've got your start. You've got your end. You've just got to find the ways to make it there and,
0: and set it up as such. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's that's a big part of, big part of the job is is mm-hmm. the journey in between the start and the finish. Mm-hmm. The the journey is the interesting part. The the how you how you get to where you're going mm-hmm. is why the audience comes along.
1: One of my favorite uh, favorite scenes from the Thanos quest is when he screws over Champion. Uh, Champion, the deal is that I'll hand over the gem, but you take me to this planet. And Thanos, absolutely, totally, we're all on, shake hands, and Thanos takes him to the other planet. Uh, He takes him to the orbit of that planet and lets him go. He said, I've got you to the planet. I didn't promise a soft landing. And so Champion (laughs) is now caught in the gravity well, and, and he says, no, he'll survive. It's just gonna take him a while to recover. What is your, is there one great Thanos screw job that you've enjoyed the most out of everything he's done
0: um i don't know you know the 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 biggest the the, the thanos image that i keep coming back to is actually in the movie mm-hmm. uh but it's from the comics is is um the scarecrow with thanos's costume yes. and him sitting on the steps of his his mm-hmm. humble abode yes um and you know that he's not done. You know that it's just, uh, it's just a rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's more to happen. That to me is always, that's emblematic of what Thanos is. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, the scarecrow's not gonna be wearing that suit. True.
1: That is unfortunately all we've got time for. Shut up Free. That was Release the Geek, the official podcast of Geek XP. That's what the chain of command is. Chain, I go get and beat you with till you understand who's in rotten command here.
0: To contact the show, you can email us at Release the Geek, one word, at geekxp.co.za. Thanks for listening.
1: I'll be back.